Okay, everybody, welcome back to RYP Radio. Uh, we've got a guest on the phone today that I've been after for uh, probably almost two years now since we've been doing this to, to get in here to interview. He's a really busy guy because he's got a lot going on, but, but he's taken some time out of his uh, busy day to sit here and talk with us on the phone here, and, and we're going to learn a little bit about him. And first thing I want to learn, Dale, is how to pronounce your last name, because I've heard about 20 different pronunciations of it. Yeah, I've had, a, had that experience all through my life, and my track days in, in, in high school. It's actually Malashek. Malashek. Okay. the way they pronounce it in the old country, Malashek. Yeah, but I kind of generally know who they mean when, when people address <laughs> me. So. When they slaughter it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we got yeah. Dale Malashek here. He's from uh, he's he's the gas gas importer for the U.S. But but beyond that, Dale has just a very long uh, history with trials and with trials competitions. We'll find out how many time national champion he is because I know it's it's multitudes of times. Uh, so beyond question. beyond being an importer, he's he's an excellent rider. So, so Dale, what, what we usually do here at RYP Radio is try to find out a little bit about people's backgrounds. Now, what I want you to do is to go back in your memory and tell us about the first time you rode a motorcycle and what kind it was. Well, back in about 19... Gosh, good question. Uh, i got to go way back on this one. Um, yeah, I was with the airlines, and the first thing I did when I got on my income and pay, uh, being off of probation, I went out and bought an airplane. So uh, I discovered after I had the airplane, when I got to the airports we were going to uh, at that time, uh, there was very little transportation available, so I bought a little 50cc Honda, kind of step through, I uh, just had a little tube there, and I modified it, I, I cut the tube in half and put a couple little... Um, uh, pieces inside there to to support it, uh, little circular pieces, and then I could take that apart and put it in my airplane in the baggage compartment. So you know, the tricky part was was carrying fuel. You know, because as you climb up the altitude, you know the fuel starts expanding. You get fuel gas fumes in the in the cabin. So I always run a lot of air through the cabin. It wasn't that much, generally. That thing would go a long ways in just a little bit. But it was a 50cc um, trail bike, uh, kind of a little two-speed. And that's what it used to get around. Mainly, we just going to the grandparents' place, you know, stuff like that, just traveling around or going what, out. What year would that have been? Uh, that was about Okay, and then after that, you probably rode bikes. Uh, that one was, was a utility bike for you, but when did you start getting into pleasure riding or off-road riding? Yeah, it, I, I had a neighbor that uh, that had a, uh, a Honda uh, Hawk, and he'd use it for a trail ride. There were a lot of trails, I found out, uh, around where we lived up here in, in uh, Kansas City. And so he'd take me on these trails with us. He'd be riding this little 50, and of course he'd take me up these hills and, well, I'd go about 10 feet, you know, fall over because I didn't have the power to get up. So I kind of put that aside and used it for just the airplane transportation. Then I went ahead and bought a, uh, a 125 Honda. It's a Honda shop right down the street. 
And that did a little bit better, but then he just went up a little bit bigger hills, which I still couldn't <laughs> get up at that point then. So I went by 175, and then he went up bigger hills, and I couldn't make it up at that. So finally I got to a, um, a 350, an SL350, you know, with the dual bikes on the back. It looked pretty cool. Uh, and I could go up hills with that. So that kind of started things going. And then after that, we started... Gosh, I did everything on that bike. I put one of those power uh, uh, kits in there, you know, with, with, and, and put yeah, it up sure. to 400 cc and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lifters and the cam and all that stuff. And uh, the bike ran pretty good. I actually used that for motocross and I um, uh, started getting into some enduros back then. This would have been back in about uh, 71, 72, right in there, I guess. Um, so I rode that bike for a couple of years. We were pretty happy with it, and then uh, started started getting into a little more interest in trials. Because one day at a hill climb, which I was using that Honda for, uh, there was a guy there, um, Mike McCabe from Tulsa, and he was there on his Sherpa S, the taco. And I looked at that and thought, man, that's pretty cool. And he's going over these logs and up these ledges and and up these hill climbs and turning halfway up the hill and coming back down and. I thought, well, this guy is really, really amazing. I mean, I just, I just saw that, and I just couldn't believe what he was doing on that on that trials bike. So that was my first introduction, really, to to a trials bike. Because you know, there was no YouTube back in those days, no videos, nothing, really. So I have then, uh, after I got a little bit of courage, because um, he was my hero at that point. Um, I said, hey, uh, you know, my name's Dale. I'd sure like to try your bike out. You know, and he introduced himself, and little that I know, Mike was real instrumental and. In, a lot of uh, the the trials, uh, oh, kind of like publicity back in those days, getting trials going. So yeah, I jumped on it, and I could not believe how that thing worked. Well, a couple of days later, I went down, and I they didn't have any of those here, any Botacos in Kansas City, uh, or Sherpa S's, or any Sherpa T's at that time. So the salesman talked me into a, an Alpina 250. And we rode that, and of course, you know, the, the brake and the shifter was reversed and, uh, on, on, that, on those Botacos, those early ones. And after a couple of pretty good wipeouts going down a hill and getting on the shifter instead of the brake, um, I uh, was in the Botaco shop one day. It was also the BMW shop that didn't handle Botacos. And uh, they had a 350 there, so and it was set up properly with the crossover uh, loop in the back of the brake and all that, and the shifter is on the correct side. Well, that's the way it is today. So I bought that. I traded my 250 and I bought that, and that was my bike for the next couple of three years until the sections got um, a little more difficult, and I moved up a couple of classes, and I think I started first trials up there in St. Joe, Missouri, in the amateur class, and on that right away, first time off, and I just read that I think one or two more times and jumped up to intermediate and then tried riding expert with it and it just wouldn't do the turn. So at that time, <laughs> the Sherpa T's were in. I think I went through about five of those. What what year would this have been? Yeah, uh, that would have been about seventy three when I when I had my first bull taco then. So that was when you first got into trials. Uh, at the end of seventy three, that was my first. Trials went in the fall up there. I think it was September '73 up there at St. Joe. Yeah. So that was my first trials competition, and uh, 
still have the trophy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what what place did you get? Yeah, I, I got first on that. It was my first my first amateur event, my first child event in the amateur class, and then uh, I, I did win it. So it it seemed to come pretty easy to me. Uh, so, but that was the first time uh, uh, that I rode trials on that bike, and it was and that was on the Alpina, and it was it was it was fun. Been in it ever since. Well, after that, so so you're riding locals, and I guess you had a local club there that put this stuff on. And and how long did yeah, you? Yeah, you know we, we we had a club in St. Joe, and they had one in Kansas City, uh, just just right right about the same time. They all kind of formed at the same time. We had one over in Marshall, Missouri, which was about an hour and a half drive east of here. Then in Springfield, Missouri, which was about a two-hour drive south. Wichita has one. Topeka had one. Kansas, I'm talking about now. And then, uh, of course, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you always go down there. But you could ride. We had the event set up so that you could ride an event uh, every Sunday if you wanted to. Or sometimes you had to take your choice. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot Omaha. Omaha came on the, on the scene there. In about two years, this whole area was pretty well saturated with, with trials riders and trials clubs, you know, and, and events. So Everybody scrambled to get an event, you know, on, a, on, on an unused Sunday. That's crazy. So so when was the first national you ever went to? Because this was 72, 73. That's about when the NATC was starting to be formed. Yeah, I, um, I rode, I think I rode a couple in 75. That's kind of when I started doing that. But in in, in 76, I put one on here in Kansas City at our club, and then I put another one on in 77. So we had two years right in a row here for nationals in, in Kansas City. So, um, uh, so yeah, about 75, I rode Donner, and uh, I was traveling with Donnie Sweet and, and his wife and a couple other guys. We just kind of caravaned uh, uh, out from from Donner, we all kind of met there. I didn't know anybody at that time from the national people, so we kind of all met there and got acquainted and went down to Southern California to Saddleback Park and had an event down there. And then uh, I went to a couple other events uh, over toward, I think, in Ohio back then and, and then New York. So, yeah, I'd have to look back. My mind is pretty murky back then, but, you know, you probably <laughs> remember some of the more special events there yeah so you're you're in the nationals and it's it's like the the mid-70s and i guess trials that's when all the japanese trials bikes about that time right in the mid-70s when they started coming out and trying to get uh, in the market yeah they they started coming out you know the the yamaha the cat you know that the 250 and all that stuff you know they were starting to make the scene back in there i think in the early 80s they were they were um popular also yeah so that um, did did it seem to pump trials up during that period when the japanese manufacturers all jumped in oh yeah my gosh there were there were so many riders back when those uh japanese bikes were here you know they, they you know they of course they had those suzuki's you know that were almost impossible to ride and, <laughs> except uh, unless you were going straight <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, very straight, or or coming back down off of something that that they were notorious for that because the suspension was just pretty bad on those. And then you know the Yamaha was was really really good. Uh, that was a good little bike. Um, then of course the Betas. I had a couple of Betas. I think four or five Betas. And then uh, I think the worst bike I ever had was that that Honda RTL that four stroke. 
oh my gosh, I thought I was getting senile. Uh, that bike was really uh, such. A, I thought I did a legitimate ride run. I think it was back in '84, '83, or '84 when they they came out. I was over the world, and I started doing you know my my videos back then, and. Uh, they did a Julian's riding one, and he was the first guy I ever saw go backwards on a Charles bike. And I thought, wow, that was really impressive, you know. And he was hopping the bike around and going backwards. And, yeah, that's, that from Charles was, was really, really impressive. And, and when you see somebody go backwards on a bike and maintain their balance and go again, that's totally impressive. I, yeah, I it is. really got into it after that. So, yeah, so that's kind of the, the I, I would say the most popular time was back in the, mid 70s to probably mid 80s because you'd go to an event there'd be mech. our our events our two days used to we used to have 130 140 riders i mean we had lots of riders back in those days and then you know with gas prices and cost of bikes going up it just kind of kind of petered out so well you mentioned quickly videos but i know i've heard before which i didn't know this about you until somebody mentioned it to me that you used to produce videos of the world rounds I guess because you were a pilot yeah. and flying over there you were over in Europe quite a bit was that part of your route no I would uh, my route was all domestic here uh, I, but I could fly over there for free you know I just grab a seat and take all my equipment and uh, maybe one of my kids or somebody that I could drag along to run a second camera over there um, I could fly for free over there and you know, I arrange my schedule around one of the world rounds, or uh, maybe two of them, just depending on how far apart they were. And then I'd, I'd shoot the video and come back here, and you know, have to manually edit everything, and then put on music, and then put on voice. But I just kind of wanted to get the um, the abilities of the European riders more known over here because they were doing stuff, you know, we'd never even heard of over here. So, uh, and now when I look at those sections, I go, huh, I guess I could ride that one pretty easy. <laughs> but, you know, things have, things have really changed since, since back then. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I did the videos from about 83 to about 92. Uh, so you spent around. 10 years shooting and editing video. I mean, that's incredible because right. I know how much work it was. And back then it was a ton of work because you didn't have the the equipment back then that you have now. No, you, you didn't. Everything had to be manually cut. You know, you had to check all your all your edits to make sure all your edits were clean and, and not a not a garble line there. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a job back then. I got to, to where I was pretty good at it. You know, I could kind of time out things pretty good because if you have a – a one-hour video, you know, everything has got to be timed. You get, you can only have so much time from section one, section two, you know, and so on. And then maybe some rides were, were really good. You wanted to, you wanted to show those rides, and then uh, yeah, there were some, you know, some rides you just couldn't show. So uh, I would have to make a decision on, well, let's see, you know, who am I going to show here? Who's got a little more of a spectacular ride? So usually Amos Bill Bawa, out. he was always pretty good, and he always gave a good interview. You could walk up to him in line and talk to him, and he spoke a little bit of English, but Tommy Avila was great, and he always spoke English, uh, Doogie Lampkin was good, you know, I, I always picked out the guys who, uh, who, who could speak uh, really good English uh, at the time, and uh, Andrew Codina was one of my favorites, you know, he always, he had really light up an interview, you know, he was, he was really, really good at it, and um, he and I are still really, really good friends.
um, whenever I go over to Spain, I always spend some time at his house out there in the country. And um, so I think he's kind of backed out of um, out of Sherco now. He's, he's kind of doing more or less his clothing business now and his bicycle business, which is really good. So, so but he's still getting along really good. If anybody wants to know, he's put on a few pounds, but he's in great health. Got three great kids, and and uh, so yeah, he's doing great. Get up there. He's got a great place up in the mountains with some great trial sections and bicycle terrain. So it's it's, it's a fun afternoon to spend with him up there. Yeah, so, that's that's so so. Back when you're doing these videos, were you selling them? Is that was that like a little uh, yeah, side was, business for you? I was selling I was selling a lot of videos, um, and then you know it, it got to be oh gosh, um, <laughs> my flying got to be a little more. I had, I had upgraded the captain right back in about uh, in about 80, uh, 87, right in there, something like, yeah, 87. And um, then my video started dropping off a bit because, you know, I couldn't get the time off that I needed to go over there. And then I, then I became an instructor pilot, and, and then that gave me a little more leeway, but not a whole lot. So my videos kind of faded off, and well, there was a lot of copying going on too, you know. So my my sales dropped off quite a bit. But you know, you get to a point where you're kind of ready to move on to something because you put a lot of work into it, and then you know, okay, well, this is fun. So you know, you you just kind of close the doors. One day I just didn't go back there anymore, and that was it. I still had the Canadian uh, World Round that was up there on the northeastern part of Canada up there. Was that a town up there? Um, York or something like that. Anyway, uh, that's still in the can. I never never did uh, did do that one. That's what Tommy <laughs> Avila had. This horrendous crash off of this rock. His minor missed the front wheel, and Tommy took this tremendous crash down this, this wall, this, this face. And... Uh, uh, well, it wasn't that bad, but he fell off the side. Let me put it that way. Then he goes down the steep side. So it wouldn't <laughs> have been so bad if he had come off the right side of the bike. He'd have been okay, but somehow he got a little messed up going backwards. And he came off the left side of the bike, and that resulted in a tumble and a roll down the side and stopping in some brush, <laughs> probably a couple hundred feet down the, down the side there. So, And I think that's where he hurt his back, because ever since then, you know, he... I think he had to retire from that event, uh, but ever since then he had back problems, and I think that's probably what, what maybe precipitated the the back injury because he was he was really hurting after that when he rode. And you have so, this you have this recorded in the can, and it's it's one of, one of the one the of the Dale lost tapes, huh? That's <laughs> <laughs> that's the only lost tape, but that's the only one I didn't do. I just I guess I just ran out of enthusiasm at that point and said, yeah, this. This is a lot of work, and uh, you know, I just I was ready for other things at, at my you know fine job. So yeah. I, I just couldn't. I just running out of time, you know. I just ran out of time, and then you know the kids and everything playing soccer and. Uh, oh, I could only imagine. You know, <laughs> you know, taking care of that. So I kind of cut out the video, and I found out, hey, I got a lot of time now. So <laughs> we, I did a lot more, you know, stuff for the kids at that point. Then so it was, it was, it was all right. So, so I you're before, but. So you pass by your video era, and what's what's next then? You say you're you're mostly focusing on your family, but you're still riding nationals and and such at that point, or still yeah, the in the trials, thing, big? Oh yeah, still still riding. That was one of the things I always liked to do. And uh, then I guess the next thing was in 
1990, uh, started importing the uh, gas gas trials bikes. So well, that, that couldn't have happened. Happen. That couldn't have happened that easy. Lead us lead us up to how that happened. How do you you go from being a rider to being an importer? Well, I'm still an importer uh, as a rider, or vice versa. So you know, yeah, but but before before you you were the gas gas importer, you were just strictly a rider, correct? Yeah, basically, you're correct. Um, when I was uh, was going over to Europe to make the videos, I was always talking to you know uh, Andrew about you know the bikes and and when they that one year they came out with that uh, Monoshock uh, 300cc gas gas cross bike, you know, and Andrew was riding it and and I had brought him over a laptop, actually a couple of laptops. Um, I was kind of smuggled it in, don't tell anybody, but uh, into the country and gave, gave <laughs> It's too late, it's on the radio. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, no, they'll never find me. So anyway, uh, I, uh, I did uh, uh, bring those in and kind of showed him how to, how to work them. And uh, uh, he, um, he says, well, what, what, how can I pay you back? What can I do? And I said, just let me ride your bike once. He says, oh, that's no problem. So... I rode that bike, and I could not believe how good that worked uh, compared to the, uh, no pun on it, beta, but I was riding a beta at that time, and uh, this just had a whole lot more power, and uh, beta's a good bike. I'm not knocking it, but I just, from jumping on this, uh, yes, yes, at that time, it was quite a difference, a whole lot more power for that 316 engine. So um, I thought, you know, this was really nice. I, I, I told Andrew, I said, yeah, and I'd, I'd buy this from you? And he says, well, I have one more event on it. And he says, then I'll just send it to you. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> That'll work out. So about uh, about a month later, a month and a half later, you know, here comes this bike. And and uh, I rode it in the last couple of nationals they had here. And, oh, my God, it just worked really good. And people rode it, and they, they really liked how it worked. And they said, can you get me one? And so I, I called Andrew, and I says, hey, what's could you send a couple more bikes over here, which he did, and and then actually <laughs> turned into more and more bikes. And finally, I had an order for him. I remember for forty bikes. <laughs> and he says, "Why don't you just be the importer?" And um, uh, they had started prior to that with an un another importer over here, but there were some issues there, which I'm not going to go into. But uh, anyway, it turned out that that they sent me the bikes and I sold them all. Then they he gave me the official uh, importership here, and that's the way it's been ever since. So, and I have gone through a lot of import managers, uh, export managers, I should say, from Gas Factory over the years. So, you know, things things change over there like like they do here. So, but the bike the bike continuously got better and better and better, and uh, so you know it is where it is now. So. And, and all the trials bikes are good. You just have to find one that really works good for you and uh, and be happy. So yeah, it's it's funny how how things like that progress. You know, I've always wondered how people get into doing the things they they do. It wasn't a case where you were a rider one day and an importer the next day. You kind of eased into it as you were. No, that yeah, that was kind of eased into it. I had no intentions of doing that, and I thought at the time, hey, this is some you know good extra money here. Maybe I can buy myself a new car here, a new pickup or something, you know, with, with some of the extra money here, and, and um, yeah, that worked out okay, so, 
uh, we just kept bringing in more bikes, and you know they were cheap back then. My gosh, you could buy a new gas gas for thirty eight hundred dollars back in those days. Yeah, I mean that was a new one. Yeah, and now they're like what seventy four hundred for yeah, a Yeah, almost so. eight. It's creeping up on yeah, eight. So. Well, yeah, well now yeah, they are. another thing I've always wondered about. I know other people out there too. Is why is the parts separate from the from the bikes? How did that come about? Well, okay, back in those days, uh, I knew Jim Snell. You know, was he was a rider also, and I knew that I was not going to have time to do parts, especially after things started rolling there. You know, people were buying parts. I started doing the parts, and holy cow, that was. That was that was a real pain for me to to send out parts and order all the parts. And because so, because you were still flying full time, right? I uh, exactly. I was flying full time and bringing the bikes in. I just keeping track of the bikes at that time was you know it was you know that was a job enough the way it was. So I knew Jim really good. And I said, Hey Jim, you know why don't we just partner up like they do in France? And well, you know you can bring the parts in and I'll bring the bikes in. You know, and, and we'll just work it that way. That way. You know, if I'm out of town flying and somebody calls in for, for parts, you know, you're there, you can take care of it. And so that's what we did. And Jim is an extremely intelligent person when it, you know, comes to parts and what goes on what. I mean, he can remember back to 1994, you know, how the airbox goes together. It's like, holy cow. Now, you just got a really good aptitude for parts uh, and what works, you know. And, and he's, he's, he's built up his business there into other areas also, but he, he still does the parts, and uh, now his brother Tim, you know, works for him. And they make a good combination there. Uh, Tim's, you know, really easy going on the phone, he, and he knows a lot about what goes where, too. So so they're doing, they're doing a great job on the parts. Uh, and believe me, uh, as, as you well know, parts is real important you know, when it comes to bikes. If you don't have parts for a bike, holy cow, you might as well, you know, it off a cliff because you can't ride it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'd be the best bike in the world if you have a broken part. You know, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to go buy something else that's got parts for it. So, anyway, that's always been one of my issues is to make sure we we have parts. And uh, we, you know, Jim's done a great job on that. Uh, he's very conscientious about having stuff there on, on hand and. You know, every once in a while, you'll you'll get a vendor that makes a certain part. Uh, you should say a piston, for example, for a bike, and all of a sudden that vendor has gone out of business or uh, is behind on his supply of parts to the factory. So, so Jim calls the factory and says, "Hey, I need this piston." The factory says, "I'm sorry, we don't have any because." The vendor is slow getting the parts in or has gone out of business or we're looking for somebody else. You know, that issue, I'm sure, you know, everybody, all, all, all gas gas is is a assembly line like anybody else. Right. You know, and they depend on their vendors to get, you know, the parts to them. Absolutely. So it's, that's how that works. So, but, you know, if, if sometimes it is a temporary outage, but, you know, we've got, Importers that we can call on, you know, in England, John Church usually has a lot of stuff. Uh, the guy in New Zealand's got a bunch of stuff. Australia, you know, Jim knows all these all these people. He talks to them every month, like, you know, emails and stuff, you know. And, and we can usually find a part if if we if somebody really needs something really desperately. Uh, we can kind of search the world, so to speak, and you know, find that part. So. 
you know, these days it's kind of tough over in Europe right now. My gosh, there's there's a lot of unemployment and there's there's some big issues with with uh, companies uh, going out of business that you know were making parts for the bikes and. Uh, Every time a company goes out of business, you know, the fact you've got to scramble to find somebody else that'll make this part, you know, give them all the specs and, and that factory will make them and maybe they're a little more expensive or maybe they're not as good. Um, they haven't really resorted to a lot of things from China yet. So I guess <laughs> luckily that's, yeah, that, that you see the good or bad, it depends upon the company over there that is. So. Yeah. So go back to the, uh, you, you become the importer of these bikes and you're bringing them in. So now you've got to to establish your brand and try and get the brand out there. How much work was that to actually get gas, gas accepted and, and distributed across the country? Because you had to set up dealers, I would expect, and and uh, how did that yeah, go? Yeah, that, 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 that was okay. I, I, I called up people that I knew, you know, shops and stuff like that, that road, you know, that were interested in the bikes. And, you know, I advertise for dealers and, you know, that that's generally how how a lot of that came about, just still pretty much the way I do it today, you know. So, you know, you, you can, there's always somebody who wants to make a little extra money on the side and say, Hey, I'd like to bring a bike in and you know, let's face it, you're not gonna you're not gonna make it to the millionaire status, you know, being a a, a, a trials dealer, I don't care what kind of bike you sell, you know, you just there's just not enough trials riders in this country to support uh, a dealer, a dealership. Yeah, yeah, Some actual bricks and good, actual bricks and mortar is hard to do. It, it is, yeah. So generally, if if a dealer sells maybe maybe half a dozen bikes. He's doing pretty good. There are some dealers like Lewisport. They they sell quite a few bikes. Of course, there's it's a big area up there where they're in, and they're in a popular area. And the East Coast has some good spots. Uh, Colorado's got got some really good spots out there with with Stan Hensley, and uh, um, these are people that have been around for you know for a long time. So um, I um, I know it's so you basically the dealers. You you, you basically used enthusiasts to grow the the brand. You you found yeah that's yeah that, that's one of the best ways to do it. You know if you got somebody really enthusiastic about something, you might as well you know tap on that. If if he has you know uh, if he has interest on being a dealer, um, there's a lot of enthusiasm in, in the trials world. You know a lot of a lot of people really like the sport and they've been in it for a long time and. I know around Kansas City here, we've got, oh gosh, probably, our club's been growing here, uh, we've got probably six new members that, that are really wanting to go ride, you know, just all the time and learn, you know, the techniques. So that's that's working out pretty good. We usually have a ride every weekend up here if there's not, not an event someplace. So, and... You know, the, the trials bikes can be ridden by people who don't necessarily want to compete also. They just want to get out there and ride around like like a group I'm riding with now, a group of doctors up up in, up in St. Joe. Uh, they have a great quarry to ride. It's private. But, uh, my gosh, they started out on enduro bikes, and now they're mostly all riding trials bikes because they can ride the trails a lot better, and they find it to be a lot more fun. So, um, and none of them compete. They just go out there and ride and that's about the only place they ride so <laughs> it's it's kind of a unique situation you know and then a lot of us go down a couple times three 
three or four times a year down to Chadwick, Missouri, which is Mark Twain National Forest, and right down there. We have some great sections down there, and there's usually a whole big group of us down there, like like on Thanksgiving weekend or or Memorial Day weekends, for instance, um, um, Fourth of July. It's a little hot down there, but you know, still a lot of riders. Yeah. So so after you've established your brands and all these dealers and the enthusiasts are going, you've got to start thinking about a national team, and you have sponsored some legendary riders, Ryan Young being one of them, Jeff Aaron. Uh, Mark Manico, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, I think right. Ryan Bell was on your team for a while. Ray Peters, I think you were the the starting ground for so many of the of the legendary riders. And what was that like? Oh, well, that's always fun to to be to be involved with with those guys. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, because you're you're a national champ, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to sell a lot of bikes. Um, you know, because these guys could probably ride anything they get their their hands on. You know, and and do a good job on it. So, uh, so it, but it, it was fun. It's 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 great working with the good riders. Um, what what really makes me uh, gratified is to to watch a kid come up through the ranks and turn out to be a really good rider. You know, um, we'll start off a lot of kids, you know, and and they'll move up and. Uh, get good and they'll get really good and um, then you guys have a great program for the kids when they get get a little older there with 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 the training you know that that you know Ryan does down there that that's a really good deal I I he's in a good spot for that and uh, the training program you guys have down there is is just just really awesome it's it's a good deal uh, a kid really needs to go through and and do that because. He'll learn a lot from the other kids, and anytime you can ride with other kids, it's it's just it's just good. So, so we we mainly I've got I've got a lot of youth riders, you know, coming up. A lot of them don't really uh, compete, uh, you know, in the higher classes. Um, I think we probably more uh, we probably have more. Um, more senior riders than anything else. We put it that way, just to be nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so we, uh, you know, senior classes are pretty much, you know, riding gas gas. But you know, again, a good rider could ride anything he wanted to and do a good job on it. So, yeah, most of the modern trials yeah. bikes today are are way beyond what we we actually need. <laughs> oh my gosh, the bike is is capable of so much. You know, like like you know, Pat Smudge when he rides, I guess fun to watch him ride and do all those tricks and like Tony Ball, oh my gosh. I I had the occasion to when I was over in Spain in December this this last year, uh, go out and practice with uh, the Jetta Gas guys and, and uh uh with Jordi Therese and some of the other people that I that I used to know well I know, but I used to know them, you know, a whole lot better back in the old days, you know, when Jordi was riding gas gas and and uh they just happened to be going to this practice area, and I just happened to find out about it. And uh, so I went out there, and Tony Bow was out there, and I got some great video of him on my iPhone. I, I just can't believe it. He is doing stuff on the back wheel that's just like, it's just incredible to watch that. And, uh, you know, that that is so impressive to watch somebody stand on the back wheel and hop that bike and then, launch up to another one and hop around and go for another one and then all of a sudden like like in the indoors you go to the top of this obstacle 
and you're looking down 15 feet or more down, and <laughs> you're going down in the back wheel on these on these obstacles that are sticking out, these steps. And, oh my God! You know, that's extremely impressive. I'm looking forward to the world round coming up here. You know, the end of May over here in Charles Training Center. Yeah, it should be exciting. Back, back, yeah, in, but go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say it won't be as exciting as it would as it could be with the new rules because I feel I got to put my two cents worth in here about these new rules, which I really don't agree with. I think it's a big step backwards for trials because most of the people who want the to see the no stop, um, maybe I shouldn't be getting into this, but you know, it's to me it's kind of like riding. Uh, uh, an enduro bike, you know, a trials enduro bike, and but and not stopping in, in in the sections and so forth. I think it took a lot away from it. You know, now you won't be able to watch the back wheel stuff, and uh, it, it's just it's going to be extremely difficult to score. Wow. So anyway, I I'm, I'm really looking forward to going to this event to see how things are going to transpire. Yeah, I think, you know, and it might be okay. I mean, it might work out fine. You know, who knows? But yeah, but I think we can all hold our. Are written now, it's kind of like okay, any stoppage of the bike, whatever, any back wheel happen, you know, as long as that bike's moving forward in a section without stopping, you're okay. But you can't go sideways. So it's yeah, we'll, interesting. We'll have to correct. see how it works out. That's that's going to be a you know something different for sure. Back when, yes, back in the uh, '80s, when you were sponsoring people, you were mostly uh, your biggest competitor at that point. I guess was Cosmo and Larry Wise. Yeah, Cosmo, yeah, Beta, right? Because uh -huh. he always had a pretty good team as well. Yes, he did. So was that like a rivalry between you two to try and get the good riders? I mean, did you have much back and forth there as far as riders go? Well, you know, I think it just turned out to be maybe I had a little more money. Because it all, it all, when you go after a sponsored rider, or when you want a sponsored rider, that is, most of them ask you, well, you know, what, what, what can you pay? You know, it's like in barrels or motocross. You know, if you if you want to go after a rider, you got the bucks, you could get them. Because I, I think most most of the top riders doesn't make any difference what bike they ride. They have to look at their financial, you know, situation and how much it's going to cost them or not cost them to to get to events around the country and so forth, you know, and, and, you know, I've had, I've had guys that, uh, or excuse me, writers that, that have been, you know, top like Jeff Aaron and so forth and, you know, uh, Cody Webb. And I, I really didn't notice any increase in, in sales on bikes. So I just thought, well, you know, I, I'm going to work with the younger riders and, and, get them worked up here and then you know i i pay expenses for these guys but it's just a matter of uh you know financial um whatever you want to spend on a on a rider you could you could probably do yeah i remember ryan saying when when he went from beta to gas gas he really wanted to ride the gas gas he said it, it wasn't so much a financial move is that he was impressed by the bike and really wanted to be on it yeah, well, that's that's another thing, you know. I guess riders have to determine, you know, what bike works good for them too, and you know what they want to do. So, so anyway, that's that's kind of one of those deals. It's 
kind of a gray area. I mm-hmm. I don't worry about that too much. I I just like to get the sport, you know, people involved in it, and you know, get them get them going. That's kind of been my uh, target here in the last four or five years. You know, I said, you know, find some good young riders and get them going and get them enthused and and you know, get the parents involved and you know, parental uh, involvement is is really important uh, when you're looking at. Yeah, a, a kid in sports. Boy, if if he's got backing, if his parents ride, you know, gosh, it's it just it's just really really a super good deal. Most most other kids that are really good riders have great parental backing. Yeah, that's so, true, and and it's yeah. such quality time you can spend with your kids. I mean, it, it oh, really. Oh yes, yes, yeah, because yeah. you know they're always going to be better than you are than you are, you know, so, <laughs> so, you know, that's always, always good to see a big, big step out there, it's kind of like, I wasn't able to achieve this, but son, you can do it, you know, and they get out there and they do it, you know, it's, it's, it's just really super impressive. Yeah, if you're, if you're looking forward at trials, what do you think the biggest challenge is for the, for the sport? Because it seems like the last few years with the, with fuel getting so expensive and, and uh, some of the travel having to be limited, uh, you know, we've we've taken some hits at our local clubs as far as entrance and and such. Um, what do you think some of our biggest challenges are? Hi, I don't know. Um, I guess just getting people interested and having them come out to the events and seeing what's going on. You know, just spreading the word. Uh, kind of like it's always been. Um, we just have to find um, people to to come out and and watch. Like I think this world round is going to be very beneficial to a lot of the uh, uh, importers for sales, uh, you know, dealers and so forth. Because there's going to be a lot of people there, and usually after world round, we've always seen a big surge in 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 interest in the sport. And of course, you know the minder bikes and and the rider bikes. You know, there's like a fifteen hundred dollar deduction on those. You know, from from regular retail costs. So people can move into a bike right there and get a brand new bike for like you know almost you know thirty percent, forty percent off the regular price. So, gosh, that's a buying a bike and having a place to ride it. You know, having a having a maybe a club that's in your area that you can be associated with that uh, would maybe give you some training and, uh, and and backing and you know more enthusiasm and stuff like that. That's always it's always good good to have. So yeah, that's what we do at our two days. We usually get new people at our two day events and they start they ride a bike. We always have bikes available to ride and uh, and so. Yeah, that uh, that works out really good. Yeah, I know. Last uh, year at our local club, we had kind of an up- uptick in people coming to the events. It seemed like we had a lot of new riders in there. I was really hoping that we would get a, a kick up in in interest in trials because of the the success that the Cody Webbs and the Colton Hakers and 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 Taddy Blazuziak has had, yeah. you know, in endurocross. Well. You see, a lot of these young riders are going now. Just about all our young pro riders uh, are are getting into the enduro cross stuff. You know, I I think that's the next big thing on the on the radar here is the enduro cross stuff. Because my gosh, there's so many people 
wanting to ride that now. You know, you got the trials cross division that's growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, uh, just uh, this last year in Vegas, I, I think you were there. Uh, they had the most entries ever. You know, it was almost double from the year before. And they were running qualifications on on Friday. You know, now and just only Saturday they had to go to all day Friday. You know, to uh, to get people qualified, you know, for the different classes and stuff. So, man, that was that was impressive. Um, so you see a lot of people moving into that enduro cross arena now. Um, I uh, I know there's a lot more trials guys wanting to do it. So just from you know just from dealers I've talked to and people that I know around the country. They all say, man, I'm trying the enduro cross this year, or trials cross, and uh, see how it goes. Do you foresee so, the, the um, U.S. ever doing anything with a indoor trials? or Because that seems to be what's really kicked enduro cross off, is that it can be held during the, you know, the, the hotter yeah. months or the, or the winter months. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, People like racing, you know. People just like to go to watch a race. It's 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 still a lot more exciting than watching, you know, maybe an indoor trials. Uh, I think your more uh, trials oriented people will go watch an indoor. But if you have your the general public guy who's maybe interested in a motorcycle, let's say a Harley rider or Honda rider or whatever, you know, just a street bike rider. Um, they would probably initially go watch the enduro cross before they would an enduro. And in, I'm sorry, an indoor trials event um, because I think it's a little more exciting and it's a little more publicity. We really don't have a lot of words out, you know, publicity-wise for the uh, indoor trials events. You know, that that first one in we had in San Francisco was pretty good. The second one was not so good. The one down in down in uh, Chattanooga down there. Mm-hmm. That, that last one, that uh, didn't turn out too good at all. But Well, it was actually a pretty good show, but there were virtually no spectators other than the yeah, trials people yeah. that happened to be at TTC. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, mainly it was probably half or over half of those people that were down there. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think that the U.S. will probably ever have a, a really successful indoor um, unless you can somehow hook it up with the enduro cross. If you could, if, you, if the enduro cross, if, if maybe on a Friday night you could have a, a, a an indoor trials event uh, somehow and then on Saturday uh, have the enduro cross Saturday evening, you know, uh, or maybe Saturday afternoon have the, the trials event I don't know. It would have to be in conjunction with something like that to be able to get the publicity out. You know, and people would have to say, "Hey, yeah, this is pretty exciting." You know, so maybe they would go to another one after that, which is just held by itself. But you know, it costs a lot of money to put those things on too. You know, you got to rent everything. You know, guards. You know, the, the arena, the setting it up, and everything. It's, it's there's a lot of money involved there. Yeah, it's definitely spectator group driven. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you were to look back over all the years you've been doing this, and especially, you know, since you've been an importer, and I know I've seen you at every national I've ever gone to, uh, back before I was even, you know, going to the national for other reasons, back when I was just spectating, 
And uh, how many miles do you think you've logged? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know last year with the motorhome driving to the east and west coast there and, and all the, you know, the Galvatross trains and all that, you know, I spent about 14000 for a diesel. So, you know, I'm kind of expecting about the same thing this year. You know, it's a lot of driving. So, and I probably put on fifteen to 20,000 miles on the motorhome, you know, each, each, each year. Um, yeah, because so, you just don't do nationals. I see you here at the uh, training days down at Tennessee, and you right, you come exactly, up for the yeah, youth nationals and and support that. I mean, just the I don't think the the uh, the average listener out there understands the commitment that you make to the sport. It's not it's not about a profitable business to you. It's about being the ultra enthusiast because you can't be doing this stuff from a profit motivation. Oh, definitely not. No, no. I, uh, I, I have a pretty poor income, income tax report each year <laughs> <laughs> with gas gas. But, you know, it doesn't pay all my expenses, you know, to be able to get around and do this. And, and I love doing it. You know, I love getting in the motorhome and going someplace, you know, and camping out and riding and, and, and you know, maybe giving a school like cross training days. I'll be down there this year for that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. I, I just really, really enjoy it. I enjoy the people that, that you know, you meet. Um, you know, in, in the motorcycle world, I've, no matter if it's trials or whatever, I've, I've never met anybody that, that I've, I've not really liked. I mean, I, I'm sure people, it's probably not the other way around, but, but you know, I, I've, I've really enjoyed everybody I've ever met or talked to or, or you know was was involved with in in these events and there's there's just one heck of a lot of good people out there in the trials world it's just just amazing to me you know they're there's they're just they're just a bunch of good people yeah when you look at the the work you put into it and and the miles you drive and the the sweat equity that you invest i mean this what you do it goes way beyond the the normal enthusiast level I mean, you have to be doing this for the for the love of the sport, and like I I tell people, it's a privilege to be involved in this sport at the level that that I am, and I know you are. We get to see and talk to and experience just a a, a ton of stuff, and it and it's all mostly good and and mostly a lot of fun, even though it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but you know, there's you know, and there's a lot of challenges, but you know, my gosh. Uh, at my age, it's, it's good, you know, uh, I like a good challenge, you know, I like to be able to figure things out, you know, and, and come up with solutions, you know, for people or, you know, if bike doesn't work, you know, and, and, uh, we had some, some issues with, uh, with a, uh, a fork leg here a couple of days ago that, that was like very unusual and we were able to figure that out. <laughs> so now if that ever comes up again, you know, there's a solution for it. It's very simple. So. Things like that, you know, you, you just—it's it, just fun to do. So, you know, I liked flying when I was flying; it was a lot of fun. Uh, my son's kind of carrying on my footsteps now with Delta, so he's just now checking out his, his captain. So, um, it—it's—it it, flying was a lot of fun, and that was a whole different set of of uh, working conditions, put it that way. Um, uh, quite quite critical so to speak, you know, you, you couldn't make mistakes when you're flying an airplane. I mean, that, a mistake was not heard of. That's something you, you can't do. And and so, you know, it was it was very, um, uh, 
as long as you watched yourself and kept up to date with things and you know everything like that, it was all right. But boy, you just couldn't slack off in that in that job at all. Um, and and you know, doing the motorcycles, it's 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 like a breath of fresh air. It's really it's really a lot of fun. It's it's for me, it's relaxation and and working with people, you know, uh, which are two of the things that you know I, I really like is. I can relax with my bike that is, you know, and, and do a little riding and a little traveling and, uh, you know, going around the country and uh, riding these events and talking to people. It's it's, it's great. I yeah. don't know what else I... If I wasn't doing that, then I don't know what else I'd be doing. I'd <laughs> probably be looking for earthworms and under the ground by now. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. I, if, I you just, don't, uh, if you don't mind, how old are you? Well, I will be... 70 here on November 25th coming up. Now, see, you have got to be kidding me, because yeah. I wouldn't have thought you were that much older than me. Well, you... I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I I still don't need glasses when I read, so that's, that's good. Uh, I guess I was blessed with a good set of eyes. Uh, so, um, that's, that's uh, it's something, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for. But I do get out and exercise and work and go to the gym, you know. I mean, I don't sit around. I mean, I That is incredible. I, do, not, I mean, I do get out and exercise, and I do try to ride every weekend and maybe once once during the week, a couple times during the week here since I've got my electric charge bike going really good now, and I ride that quite a bit back here behind my house. I've got some sections back in the trees here and stuff. I can ride that, and the neighbors don't even know I'm back there, so... So that that works out really good. Um, so you won't be able to ride the senior seventy class this year, but next year you're going to be you could ride the senior seventy class. Yeah, then I have to ride the support line. I mean, not the support lines, but the uh, the clubbing lines. Yeah, it's senior seventy five though. You got another five years. Oh, okay, okay, that's right. It is seventy five. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Well, that just made my day. <laughs> Well, Dale, I wouldn't have even thought you were you were seventy yet. I mean, that's that's incredible. You are a well-preserved guy, that's for sure. You know, I I don't know. It's, maybe it's what I drink. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is this really what you do for fun? You don't have any other hobbies, or uh, do you go any to exotic uh, places for vacations or anything? Not where we go. I've got a condo down in Cancun, but, uh, you know, we we didn't go this year. I just put it in the bank. So, but, yeah, we do travel around um, uh, somewhat, but not, you know, not, not a whole lot. Um, I guess, I guess my, my yearly or twice yearly trip to Spain is, is probably one of the highlights. Um, um, that's, I like, Poking around eastern Spain there, you know, up there in Catalonia, and uh, there's some neat parts of the country up there to look at. So, you know, that's about all I do, and I, I enjoy visiting the factory up there. There's always a lot of a lot of neat things to do up there, you know, around 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 the gas gas factory. So, um, so yeah, no, I don't I don't take a whole lot of vacations. Uh, my vacation is going to. Um, to a national, I guess. Um, that's that's what I like to do, and so works out pretty good, I guess. And still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's the five year outlook for you? What's what's your plans? 
just keep doing what you're doing? Um, well, yeah, I guess. I can't see me being a, a Walmart greeter. So <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think I'll be doing this and, until, you know, somebody has to start the bike and, and keep me upright. So, you know, this is something that I'm planning on doing for, for a long time. I, I feel great. So unless, you know, the something unforeseen happens, which it always could, you know, I just keep on doing, doing this, and uh, um, I just signed up for another uh, three years as an importer with Gas Gap, so I guess they're not too concerned about it, so. Well, that's impressive. I know you're one of the most influential people in the sport. You have a lot to do with the, uh, you know, with the sport itself, and, and, uh, even the organizing body, and, and, uh, your local club, so, I mean, it's it's just amazing that how involved you are from an enthusiast level all the way through the business level. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, what I like to do. So, you know, I feel like doing it. I don't know why I'd want to go do something else, you know, <laughs> right now. So um, I guess, you know, I'm, when I retire from this, I guess I'll be ready to retire, but it's going to be a while yet. All right. Well, we've had you on here almost an hour, and uh, I think yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that I think we've barely scratched the surface of all the things things we could get into here. But but we'll go ahead and uh, and and let you go and get back to to whatever else you were doing this afternoon. What's the weather like out there? Is it rideable yet? Uh yes. Our snow is gone. We've had about it's about sixty-seven out here right now. Or supposed to be about 75 tomorrow. Saturday is supposed to be nice. We got a big ride up at St. Joe's Saturday. We have a trial Sunday over <laughs> here at one of our club members' place. And um, so, um, yeah, so we got a nice nice weekend planned. So, so you still ride every, plenty, though. You, still every you still ride every chance you get? Oh, gosh, yeah, for sure, yes. And what's your gas gas of choice this, this year? Uh, well, I ride the rug. I, I like the way that works. Um, you know, they, they all work okay. I've, I've got a, I've got just a standard 250 here also. I ride that every once in a while. That bike works pretty good. Uh, if it's really super muddy, I, I like to ride that 250. Um, otherwise, you know, I stick stick to my, my bigger bore bike. Um, uh, and, but I do like my electric bike. It, it's, it's a lot of fun, too. I've been riding it in some events now. So uh, it, it works. It's got oh, it's as much power as the my my three hundred does. It it works really good. I've got that thing uh, pretty well perfected. Probably after oh after the world round, I'll probably start you know assembling them and making them. They're they're on a gas gas chassis, of course. Uh, uh, there'll be an old twenty thirteen chassis, and with the electric motor and the battery in and uh, so forth. I'll have it down at the event down at the world round. You can you can ride it and see what you think. Awesome. Well, tell tell everybody what it's like to have any trials motorcycle, at gas gas trials motorcycle you want at any time. You've never been without one, right? Uh, no, I haven't. No, no, I've uh, I've got a couple of stairs in the basement for guests if they want to come over and ride. They pull those out and go go ride. So um, it's it's just uh, I don't know. I use it. I rode the two eighty for a while and. Then I switched off to 300, then I went back to 280, and then 
Now I'm back on the 300 again. I've been on that for about the last three years now. The motor's a little different on the 300s. Uh, it's a little softer, and uh, it, to me, it works works good for me and my weight. You know, I'm probably about 220 uh, when I'm ready to go. And we got a lot of big hills up there where we ride along the Missouri River, and there's some fourth year hill climbs that are just <laughs> absolutely a blast to ride. And uh, you know, we we get a bunch of the Daryl guys you know, riding on some of the trails up in this uh, this area where we ride, or, or else down in Chadwick, and uh, it's always fun to to match them, you know, hill climbing. And it's that's why I like the 300. If, if I want to ride a hill, and it's a big, long, loose one. That fourth year in that 300 is really hard to beat. I mean, it'll it'll go up pretty much anything, and you can come off the throttle and come back on, and you you got all the power there again. So, so it 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 definitely works works good for me. Um, so uh, I've just gotten used to the motor and like it. And, and there's other people who like the 280s or the 250s. So we we do have a bike for everybody. So you know, it's just whatever one you prefer. Yeah, it, it is the most popular bike in the U.S. for sure. I mean, you've been importing them since, what year did you say, 91? Uh, 1990. 1990. About 1990, yep. Yep, yeah. almost almost 23 years now. Yeah, so, that's a lot of motorcycles that's passed through your hands into the United States. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, literally, I touched every one. I mean, I touched every, <laughs> every, every crate they were in. Let me put it that way, yeah. Slap a label on them. <laughs> no, we we never did get an answer to to question that I was that I posed earlier on. Uh, how many national championships have you won? Oh gosh, I don't know, Brad. Uh, yeah, is it safe to say uh, you've won at least one championship in every age group? From did you start riding at senior thirty five, or was were you older than that when that class was established? Uh, I think I was a little older than that. Um, trying to think. Have you um, won at least one year of every age bracket of the nationals? Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's probably pretty safe to say. Um, I never looked at it that way before. But I'm just trying to think back here. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure every every year, you know, because Billy D and I have, you know, we we compete back and forth, and he's. Yeah, but eight, the age bracket has five years span in it. Somewhere in that five years, you had to win that category. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that, that's true. Yes. And then, yeah, then yeah, that that is true. Yeah. Who's who's your most memorable epic battles been with? Has it been just Billy D, or did somebody else creep in there? Ah, oh, no, it's good old Billy D. I couldn't I couldn't do it without him. You know, this guy is this guy is really incredible. He's my hero. So your entire career, it's been you and Billy D going at it for, for myself and Billy. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I used to, I used to beat him all the time, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he got good. <laughs> he, went, he went to the he went to two fifty gas gas, and and he started riding a whole lot. And I think he was riding with Christy Williams quite a bit, and he just could not stand it when a girl beat him. So he was really practicing, really practicing. But you know, she's really good, and she wound up you know beating both of us. Uh, pretty bad, uh, and uh, so I think he's kind of resigned to that. So it's just it's just him and I now, and uh, and we we just have a, a blast, you know. And it's he puts a lot of pressure on a guy, you know. I don't normally, you know, since I haven't been flying, I don't normally feel that much pressure anymore, you know. Like like when we do an approach down to minimum, 
<laughs> you got a little pressure there watching everything. But, you know, Billy, he kind of he puts it on you because he's an excellent rider, man, especially in the slippery stuff. Man. He's got throttle control, clutch control, and you wouldn't believe. Yeah, he's, he's good. But I can get him on the big rocks, but, man, he can wipe me up in the, in the loose, not loose, but I should say slippery, slimy stuff that they ride up there in Vancouver all the time. So... So, yeah, yeah, are you guys the, are you guys the same age or is there are uh, you Billy is, is uh, there a year is there a year where you don't have to ride again? Two years, he's two years older than I am. Yeah, I'll, uh, I won't be riding with him this year, but but the year after next, uh, I'll be I'll be we'll be competing again. So you guys will but be he, you guys will be going at it in the senior seventy class. That's that's hard to even 70. say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's fun. You have to have somebody that's good or better than you. You know to to really compete against, you know, and, and you know, my, my time competing with Billy has been probably the most memorable because he, he is really fun to, to ride against. He he is so focused. If I could focus like that, I'd probably be the pro champ. And my gosh, that guy can zone out everybody and ride, and it's just <laughs> like he's got tremendous concentration. It just just impresses me. So I, I'm i looking forward to, to seeing him again this year. Of course, you know, we don't have anybody uh, – well, maybe hopefully there'll be somebody in the class. You know that'll that'll be a good competition. But Billy seems to be the guy that's you know he's just a really really good rider. Well, we're uh, we're gonna have to work on Jerry well. Young and get him back in there because he he would be in the same class as you guys at some years, right? Yes, he would. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, I think him and Billy. Um, no, see, I don't know. Jerry is what? I think he's a little older than I am. Yeah, I think he's he maybe seventy-two 70. now. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Seventy two or three, yeah. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't seen Jerry for a long time. So I hope he's doing all right. Yeah, he is. He's doing excellent. He's riding quite a bit. Great. He actually got into bicycling and riding trials bicycle now, so you know there he's you he's staying that's, that's mobile. A lot too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that bicycle really is a good trainer. Yeah. I in fact I'm just getting ready to go out for a ride when he started this thing, so uh so, yeah, the the bicycle is really good. But that aerobic fitness, I think, is really important. And, you know, as well as doing some weightlifting and stuff like that, you know, to keep everything going. Not a whole lot of weights, but just enough to, you know, just, just keep your, your muscles up. If you had to pick one person over the time you've been in trials that was the most memorable person you ever met, who would it have been? Well... <laughs> Competition-wise, it would probably be Billy. Uh, imagine, because um, you know that's that's where all my concerns were. You know, with, with him. You know, during an event. You know, yeah. Billy, would Billy get on this section? You know, so uh, uh, probably I would say he would be my most memorable person. Um, mainly because you know I know him and I know I know what he's done. I know his personality and his, his background and you know escaping from all the all the um black natives down there in zimbabwe or wherever he was that time Mozambique <laughs> or so, they were chasing him down the road and he was on his on his he, he crashed through his back door of his house because they were coming to chop his head off i mean that's one hell of a story if anybody ever gets a hold of billy have him tell that story because it is it is absolutely incredible um so uh but yeah probably i'm not sure I'm sure I'd have to list him as my most memorable person. <laughs> Somebody who's been there the longest, I guess. 
that's been uh, yeah you know, focused. Yeah. Well, okay, Dale. We'll let you get back out there and and get to your bicycle and get that aerobic fitness in. All we right, appreciate well, you. For the interview. I I hope it works uh, works out okay. And uh, I don't know if uh, anybody learned anything from this, but uh, I. Uh, I hope it was enjoyable and not offensive to anybody. I sure didn't mean to be be that way to anybody. But, well, I don't uh, think anybody would see it that way. I mean, everybody's got to go to Gas Gas. Uh, it's GasGas.com, right? You've got that uh, domain? Uh, yes, GasGas.com. Right? Yeah, so go to that, yeah. GasGas.com. You can uh, see the stuff that, that Dale uh, has to market up there and, and a little bit of history, I'm sure, that's up there and, and uh, you know, we we really appreciate the involvement you've had in the sport and investment you've made and and you know the sport wouldn't be where it was today without people like you. Well, I appreciate that and thanks for the interview, Brad. That's very nice of you. You guys do a great job doing that too. That that always kind of helps, you know, when you can uh, you know conduct a, a great interview like you're you're doing here. So you know that, that that's uh, that's that's really good. Yeah, we'll get a little history um, down here on in in digital format. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, Dale. Well, okay, Brad. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, uh, I'd like to thank everybody out there who rides the gas gas. We appreciate your business, and uh, and uh, we hope to see you at the nationals or a local event. Or if you have any questions, just just give me a call eight one six eight zero nine eight four zero four. Anytime, my office is always open, so you can call me. And uh, if you have any problems, uh, bike problems, that is, and. Uh, We'll uh, we'll get you going. So thanks again, Brad. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great weekend. Everybody out there in Radio Land, just keep riding.